0: Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. It is Monday, May 25th, Memorial Day 2020. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid. I'm Dane Martinez. He's Kevin Walsh, and we are spending a Memorial Day morning with you, trying to get you a little bit of extra cash. Hey, Kev, how was your weekend? How are you planning to celebrate Memorial Day?
1: Weekend was great, man. You know what I was doing. You know I was watching. No. You know, it's dude. only
0: thirty seconds in. We can't have the one drop.
1: I mean, ahead. listen, when you ask me <gasps> how my weekend was, I'm only gonna double nut, and the I only thing I'm gonna <laughs> do is Yeah, you, you got to know where we're going. Um, it was it was good, man. It was good. Um, you know, and I'm just I'm just hopeful that we're gonna get, you know, back to normal. As we're, you know, yeah. sitting around the the dinner table and the family and um, you know, everyone's like, Man, use a baseball game today. Like, that'd be cool just to watch, like, a baseball game right now. And it's like, yeah, I would like to put a baseball game on in the background that I don't fully pay attention to, but it's there. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, I think hopeful is the key word, right, of the next couple of weeks and months. We need to be hopeful that eventually, you know, Mm -hmm. sports will come back. Over the last couple of weeks, Kev, you know, we've been talking about Major League Baseball and Blake Mm -hmm. Snell and his comments, right, and the idea of they're gonna have to go back and forth and figure out how to share the pain. You know, um... On another show that I do, uh, our good friend Jared Smith, he was saying that he thinks this represents that Major League Baseball is in just a, a worse labor spot than in other sports, and I cautioned him on that. Kevin, I was like, "Don't not not so fast." Exactly. All it mm-hmm. is, in my opinion, was that we already had a formal proposal, right? It was already at the stage of conversation where there was a formal proposal from, in this case, the owners, and then the players were gonna have to agree or have a counter proposal. And this, unfortunately, Kevin, is just par for the course. That's the way things with unions are negotiated, right? And Mm -hmm. I remember saying to him, and I think I've said it to you, just you watch when these other sports get to that phase of the negotiation or that phase of the conversation, we're going to start hearing the same thing. Now, baseball, it's a very critical week this week for them to, you know, come to an agreement and hopefully hit, you know, call it July 1st, call it July 4th, so that they can have spring training 2.0 and actually get a relevant season with at least, say, half of the games. But Mm -hmm. I I would say over the weekend, Kev, I've started to hear this in other sports. And it sounds all nice and rosy, except for what I always say, the devil is in the details. For example... Kevin, in the NHL. Okay. We're hearing about potentially a twenty four team tournament, right? That mm-hmm. would make it a Rangers fan. This makes me happy because maybe they'll qualify for this when they wouldn't have qualified for the Stanley <laughs> Cup playoffs in its you know, previous format. Yeah. But again, you know. If you were really looking at the news or you saw the little details on the end, it'd be like, and now this proposal has to get negotiated or there's other details that still need to be figured out. Right. Mm -hmm. I see this in MLS as well. I got we got word over the weekend. They may be viewing something like a World Cup kind of tournament, right? Like a little round robin. They'll have four or six different groups. And, you know, then like a knockout stage. Sounds really cool. Sounds like something I'd love to watch. You could put on in the background in the Walsh family dinner table. But then what was the little subtext? What was the little thing after that? Oh, but all of these details will need to be approved by the union. It Mm -hmm. seems to me that, you know, we're now starting to realize... Something I said a long time ago, Kev, is that when you know this is not an individual sport when we have unions here and because there are so many stakeholders, constituencies, you know, perspectives, this is going to take a while for everyone to actually agree on what
1: it looks like to come back. Yes, of course, people are going to have to, you know, sit down and absolutely make sure that all parties are satisfied with whatever the end result is. But I think we're also finding out that baseball found itself in the worst spot of all sports. I think initially I would have told you, that. Ah, well, you know, baseball, at least they didn't start their season, right? But evidently that's made it harder on them. Like, we've, mm-hmm. we've constantly talked about how easy this has been for the NFL. They're so far right. away. They've pretty much been able to wait and not only wait and see, but they've been able to find ways to execute some of their marquee events, like the draft, yeah. and like just dominate with the draft itself. Like, the NFL, maybe you could argue benefited from this in some ways. Whereas, you know, then you look to, um, you know, what the NBA and the NHL dealt with, where they had so much of their season done. Right. Not a lot of conversations surrounding money. Right? Like, a lot of the situation there is just figuring out and, and making sure that they have health sorted, but also just trying to see, okay, do we yeah, want to have some type of, the
0: regular- idea of Hold on, Kevin, because the idea of if they play 18 more regular season games or not, that's not
1: money? No, of course it is. But okay. the fact that they have the ability to not do it, it shows that they're so far ahead. The mm. fact that it is not like, listen, we are playing at least five more games, right. you're all coming, shows that they are actually at an advantage due to those financial discussions. Now, of course... They'd love to get all of the money, which is why we're talking about playing <laughs> 70 games right. so they can hit their minimums, which is more than understandable. But again, the fact that they're even saying, like, ah, you know what, maybe we do let the Cavs stay home. You know what, maybe the Kings don't need to come to Orlando right. does kind of show that, uh, I think, to to some degree. Baseball does seemingly have this situation where they're trying to not only figure out what does a league reset look like. Are we playing 80 games? Are we playing 82 games? Are we going to the depths of January? What the hell are we doing here? Oh, also, how am I safe? Am I really going to get fined if I fist bump somebody? Do I really have to sit in the dugout? Do I have to sit up in the stands? What's the plan there? Oh, and by the way, we agreed that we'd take this amount of money, and you're now telling us that that's way too much and we have to take more money again. And baseball's yeah. just in... It's not even no man's land. It's a, baseball has everything to be figured out, where at least I think for some of the other sports, they're able to be a little bit more singularly focused. yes. Money will still play its factor, but they're able to just, I guess, m- maneuver a little bit smoother, I guess, than Major League Baseball. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I fully buy it, Kevin.
0: You know, honestly, like, because we talked about this before, Kevin, right? Once, when Blake Snell came out, right, mm-hmm. with his comment, and it was about money, he was like, it's not worth the money, right? If he... We even said this. If he, instead of saying about the money, if he led with the idea of the health risk, right? Yeah. How would this maybe be perceived differently? You know, we're talking about, for example, this MLS, which didn't really start its season. There was like one or two games that had already gone down. So they're a somewhat similar boat. And, you know, this new format, this round-robin World Cup-esque tournament, we just haven't heard yet about how much of a hit the players are gonna take or the front offices are gonna take. And remember, there's some new franchises in this uh, sport where this was their inaugural year. I don't know if they can handle the financial hit of not having any home games in their inaugural year. Like, could Austin or Miami just fold up? I just, Mm -hmm. I I hear you. And it does look like baseball is kind of behind the eight ball or like they're not playing nice in the sandbox. And I understand that. My biggest point is just that we haven't, gone this far down the path yet with MLS with the NHL and and, and those things are gonna have to get figured out also at mm-hmm. some point. And I'm just saying that, you know, it's I'm not assuming that it's all gonna be, you know, hunky dory when we get to that point. It just seems like we've been talking about the money in Major League Baseball first. Like there's gonna be a money conversation in the NBA, in the NHL, in MLS. It doesn't just it's just not as public
1: and not as dirty. Yet. I think, though, see, to me, like when you you bring the the MLS, right, but they're obviously in such a different league. Like, no, we're not saying like, yeah, I don't know if the Cincinnati Reds as a franchise are going to be able to survive. So that's almost its own separate entity of issue that they have to deal with. From the NBA's perspective, like I've seen Jared Dudley send out tweets about the importance of getting rolling because of how it can impact the salary cap. Right. We've heard them talk about how this is going to match like this can drop the salary cap for the first time in like a decade. The NBA salary salary cap decreases as opposed to going upwards. So I think they're they're uh, they're aware of of the financial aspects of these things. But think about how much further along we are in terms of getting dates. Like we've heard july 15th start date for the nba like right
0: now the spencer Dinwiddie uh
1: proposal because <laughs> yes spencer Dinwiddie has taken it upon himself to comment on all nba stories which how the nets feel i don't know how do i feel great right. i like news i'll tell you I what would, if i'm a betting know.
0: man i'll take later than july 15th how about that
1: sure but like, how you could say later that but they're saying they're saying within july so do you think that we get the nba within july
0: I think it's gonna be very late July, maybe August one even, you know, but who knows? But that's the thing. We haven't gotten to the point where it's like confirmed yet. And then you talk right, about like
1: we, we have them confirming that they're talking to Orlando. Like, okay. we, like what right. is what is the best news that baseball's given us? What's the best most like okay, that's a shine of hope.
0: Uh, the proposal about how the divisions would be aligned. That is like, you know, I'm starting to get, for me, it's about how far down the path have we clarified details, right? There's gonna be details. There need to be details around money. There need to be details around health, right? Whether that's testing, policy, quarantine, what does that look like, right? And there needs to be details about logistics, I think, you know, and so any, we don't, we're not back, in any sport Kevin until we have like full on uh, clarity and agreement on all of those details right on health details on logistical details on financial details and all I'm saying is that you know we realize that there's a financial back and forth in major league baseball you know i mean the nhl for example 24 team tournament that we're hearing about do you know where these bubbles are going to take place? I certainly don't. And it seems like Orlando and Vegas are getting, you know, snatched up pretty quick. So where's left for the NHL to do this 2014 tournament that sounds Really, really cool. But the devil is in the details, right? Um, so I, I'm just saying, I don't know exactly how it is going to play out. And I just think baseball is getting something of a bad rap because it's so public that they're, they're process for figuring out the details. Meanwhile, I, I, I stand to think that sometime this week, we're going to hear about other sports having to go back and forth on some of this as well. I'll give you a piece of bright news, though, Kev. We are now two weeks out from UFC 249. It happened two weeks ago, brother, right? And so the fact that we are now past that 14-day horizon, right, yeah. that has happened, what that we know about in quarantining and kind of what is best practice here around this virus, Dana White's kind of in the clear now. UFC 249 has kind of officially gone off and... Now, because it's two weeks later and we haven't heard of, like, you know, this ref or this commentary or, or, or DC or, like, seven, you know, stagehands, got it. I, it sounds like maybe now we can say they were able to put
1: on an event successfully. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that that is true. I do have my questions about how much testing happened post-events. Right. Um, you know, I just, I mean, I think, I just I do have my questions about that, but no, absolutely. Like, we... I, I mean, I think even considering that there was someone who tested positive, who was there in Jock Ray Sosa, right. and seemingly was the only person, like, they were able to successfully stay away. Um, now, is that 100% true? Did he potentially pass it on to someone who was asymptomatic? We don't exactly know. I'm just saying, why. it's a positive proof point. It I can know. be
0: done. Absolutely. All right. And uh, what else can be done is Kevin and I can give you all the edge you need right here on Sports grid. We're off and running. It's the early line on a Memorial Day.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to the early line right here on SportsGrid. I'm Dane. He's Kevin. And no, we're not talking about AEW, at least I think in this segment. What we are talking about is other leagues returning to play. I will give you this, Kevin. As I mentioned, UFC and some of these more individual sports that were going on in Florida, you know, for the last few weeks, maybe they are providing a blueprint right, of how it can be done. You know, and we are past this kind of time horizon and hopefully we just get better and better, sharpen up the details and can return to play pretty soon. You know, Kev, I talk about like establishing a blueprint yeah. And that's been the case for the damn NFL the entire time, right? You've talked about this how they were in their off season so they kind of get lucky they can still conduct, you know, league business and so free agency, the draft, the schedule release moves the needle for football and sports fans when it's the only game in town. I also believe and I've said this before, they're able to kind of Follow the trend. Right. Follow the blueprint, whether it's established by UFC or likely by NHL and Major League Baseball before they come back. And I don't know if you saw this, Kev, but over the weekend, the uh, president of the Players Association, Troy Vincent, okay, comes out and says not only are they expecting the NFL to go on as scheduled, but get this, Kevin, he is expecting stadiums to be filled with fans for the NFL season. And for me, you know, and we have here some of the quotes right here. It came out and uh, you know, said, you know, said this. Here is the quote. Here is the quote from Troy Vincent. Ready? This was on the Brian Mitchell show. Um we are planning to have full stadiums until the medical community tells us otherwise. Now, remember when we're talking, we're talking about August, September, so there's a lot that can happen here. So we're planning for full stadiums. He goes on, obviously, to kind of like, put some caveats in, Kev. Mm -hmm. We also know that we have to plan for half stadiums, three quarters, so we're planning for all of these scenarios. But first and foremost, we're making every effort, the medical community, blah, 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 blah. But there (laughs) you go, Kev, right? They're able, and I've been saying this to you and anyone who will listen for a while, they're Mm -hmm. able to talk off. They can say this is what we expect because they get the benefit, Kevin, of following the established blueprint. Mm -hmm. By the time they hit August for preseason or whatever, guess what? MLS will be happening. Baseball will be happening. NBA will be happening. And they'll already know what the climate is like in this society, what the health regulations are like, what Fauci is saying and the rest, and they'll know if 25% of fans can come in and how do we figure out who those 25% are. You know what I mean? They get to kind of follow the leader here, and they are, in fact, very lucky, in my opinion. And that's why I think Vincent or anybody else in the NFL can kind of talk as though, you know, a glass-half-full, optimistic kind of way, right? What do you think? You think it's possible, or are they just talking tough now and they know that they're just going to follow wherever conventional wisdom goes?
1: I, no, I don't necessarily think it's talking tough. I think <laughs> that they're keeping their their options open because it is plausible. If you think about it, now, if they put fans in the stands for a preseason game, that would feel like a waste. Maybe it's a test case. I don't know. But well, let's just say that I believe it is September but Not if 10. there's
0: already half of a stands filled yeah. for this MLS tournament.
1: Right. It's more so my feeling towards preseason. It's oh, okay. like, okay, there's not going to be a ton of sure. people there, whatever. But let's just go off of September 10th, right? It's supposed to be that yep. first game. Chiefs she- Texans on a yep. Thursday night football. That is over three full months away. That's right. Three full months away. That is so long. Like, not only, of course, as you've mentioned, will they allow countless others to go before them, but who knows where we are at that point? Like, maybe. We're actually at a point where they say, yeah, you should have fans back. 50%. Right. Like, that's great. And, again, I will tell you this. I know, like, the wrestling stuff, we joke about it. But in all <laughs> seriousness, they, they haven't stopped at once. And they have been somewhat of a test case, I think, for some people, sure. to a degree. Because they see kind of what they're doing, this, that, right. and the third. And that's two, like UFC, similarly. And there are two things I can tell you with, with both of those companies. First thing is, I will tell you that AEW on the pay per view, <gasps> double or nothing, announced their next big pay per view, which is all out September 5th. They did okay. not announce a location, though, at uh, all. I, see. I think that they're hoping maybe they can spring a location on people and get fans there. I think part of the reason they're hoping that, and part of the reason why I don't believe that the NFL is silly for believing what they want, there are confirmed reports that Vince McMahon very much so wants fans at SummerSlam, right.
0: which is, I
1: believe, almost 23rd. I think, 22nd, 23rd, desperately, desperately wants fans there. And if we get to that point, Dane, and they're like, hey, you can do 50%, Vince will have 50% there. Right.
0: And we'll know. And guess what, though, Cavs? So will preseason NFL games then? Because if it's allowed, the owners are not going to, like, you
1: know, look away from the opportunity to make their money. Okay? (laughs) Like, it's going to happen. The thing is, if you're the NFL, though, right? Like, let's just say that decision made by Vince is a nah like it's it's not received with a with That's why I'm of, saying
0: of they're going to be able to follow the blueprint, but also yeah. know what the health is, know what the PR response is. You know, they don't get to be the tr- they don't ever have to be the trial balloon. That's right. That's- you well, know what I mean? Right. So whether it's Vince or whether it's Major League Baseball or the MLS or, I, you know, I've heard from our, our friend Jared uh, Smith, who does uh, the morning after I do in game live with him. He's talking about um, the NSWL or the NWSL, the Women's Soccer League. They may be first to go. Okay. So all I'm saying is that again, the NFL gets the benefit of following an established blueprint and knowing the considerations, knowing any of the potential backlash that would come. And so I think because they know they're kind of in the driver's seat and have the ability to kind of follow the leader or use the blueprint, as I'm talking about here, they kind of, they have the ability to say whatever the hell they want right now. 'Cause in their back pocket oh, yes. they know
1: they'll be able to just follow the established blueprint. No, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that's a very good point, right? Like they could say, We will have fans full to 100 capacity. Right. We get to And if day. it doesn't
0: happen, it gets it comes to August one, yeah, and go, oh, you know we, we were MLS is still and we're like and then they can very easily be like, Oh, we're just following the the, the guidance of yeah. the medical community.
1: Bang, and it's all good. And you if everybody I mean? says, Oh, why'd you say that? We wanted to be optimistic, trying to get people home. That's it's what I'm saying. Easy. They get to sit pretty. Now it is the to. NFL, though, Dane. So if anybody was going to mess up an unmessable up situation, it sure would be them. Okay, that's fair. What's the situation that they shouldn't be able to mess up. All I'm saying is
0: juxtapose that against what we talk about at the top of the show with Major League Baseball right now. Right? They are. Everyone's like, "Oh, it's a bad look. Oh, this doesn't look good." Because they are first to slosh through these details, Kev. Yeah. You yeah. know. The NFL is not going to have to do that. And I think it becomes very, very uh, beneficial for them to let all these other leagues go out there first and also endure the slings and arrows that may come from the public or that don't come from the public. You know, they become the test case as opposed to the NFL. So I do think that that's interesting. You know, one other thing. Whenever we see the NFL, if there's fans in the stands or not, you know, we've been talking a lot, Kevin, over the last few shows about kind of um, the changes to the Rooney rule, potentially. Right. Uh, We talked about the idea of pass interference cannot be instantly replayed. Right. And, And this is because we're now in that time of the year where the competition committee meets and they talk about changes to the game. And one of the changes to the game that are out there, I think, is very intriguing, Kevin. I think we should spend some time on it. Um, there has been talk about this before, okay? But the idea of doing away with the onside kick and changing it to a different kind of play. Now, let me outline this one for you, Kev. Okay? So what they and and the important context is this. Uh, you know, five ten years ago, let's say. The idea of going for an onside kick, and this is the key, and I know you like this from the numbers and the data of it all, Kev. Mm -hmm. The the onside kick was in essence, call it a 17% proposition, okay? Teams would convert on the onside kick between 15 and 20% of the time, call it like 17%. Now, if you remember a few years ago, they changed the kickoff rules, Kev, right? So Mm -hmm. that all the guys on the line of scrimmage can't get that running start, right? And they did that for player safety, right? The violent collisions on the kickoff, they wanted to do away with that. Makes sense. Cool. What they didn't realize is that one of the ripple effects of that was if you don't get the momentum of those guys, then how the hell are they going to get the 10 yards deep and recover the onside kick? It just made it almost impossible. So much so that in the last few years, the onside kick has dropped from like, a 17% proposition mm-hmm. to more like a 4 or 5% proposition. Teams were not converting onside kicks anymore at all, right? Yeah. And it kind of, in essence, neutered a part of the game. It neutered a part of special teams or at a part of the game. Now, I understand this is not like offense or defense, but, hey, think about this. I remember the Saints in the Super Bowl, other important times, you know, the element of surprise. So mm-hmm. here's what they're doing, Kev it looks like they are going to change it to from an onside kick to one offensive play, Kevin, okay? And that offensive play would, in essence, represent fourth and 15. Mm -hmm. They do it from your own 25-yard line, right? Because you kick off from the 30, it'd have to go 10 yards, right, to be the 40-yard line where it's eligible. Um, So they're going to do fourth and 15 from your own 25-yard line. If you convert... You keep the ball, keep on going. There's a couple of extra details that I want to push on you and see how you react to. But on its face, what do you think about this? The idea of doing away with the onside kick, putting the offense on the field from your own 25, and I guess they've determined, right, that like I said, it was about a 17% conversion rate. Mm -hmm. They've determined that fourth and 15 gets converted in the NFL at basically the same kind of rate, the same Mm -hmm. percentage as the old onside kick. Right, So they're trying to have fidelity to the value proposition, in essence. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this, Kev?
1: I guess I'm, I'm first pulled somewhat in a, in a pure gambling direction, mainly yeah. because That's when right. the first time I heard about this- had Backdoor do covers. <laughs> well, it's not just backdoor covers, though. It's, to me, just overs as a whole. Mm. Because now, so it's fourth and 15, right? Yeah. If the team going for it converts, they are at their own 40 or better. Every single yeah. time, right? That's very far down the field. You are very likely going to see points off of that. Now, maybe but that's this what, where, where they would have been if they recovered an onside kick. Right, except they were never recovering okay. onside kicks. Right, Fair. They're Fair. never recovering onside kicks. Now, you think fifteen is like easy. No, it's not easy. But you just right. said we go from a five percent proposition to a twenty percent. Right, five in every hundred and one in every five. Wildly different. different. Right. Remember, the old onside kick before the player safety
0: rules was around that level also, though, was around 15 to 20%. But, yeah, you're
1: right. Go ahead. No doubt. But also, I think you can see an increase because the onside kick was just essentially pointless. People weren't actually doing it. Where I think now this is a bit interesting is people might find themselves a little bit more inclined to actually give this a go, where I think this does differ from your onside kick, right, when it's recovered, right, yeah. Where, are we, where are we standing at? However, for this scenario, at least I know based around where the Pro Bowl was at, if that's an incomplete pass, the other team is yeah. over to 25. That's yeah. field goal range. That's locked in points. Unless there's 10 seconds left and we're taking knees, we're getting points. Pretty much if somebody says fourth and 15, I'm going for it, I'm getting points on the board.
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is really interesting. We're going to talk about this more because I think there's betting implications and, you know, strategy implications here, and we'll cover them when we come back. It's in-game live, off and running, giving you the edge here on SportsGrid.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering, real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right,
0: everybody, welcome back into the early line on Sports Grid. Kevin and I were discussing the idea of this new onside kick, okay? And I get it. They want to maintain fidelity to kind of the percent of conversion, right, Mm -hmm. to make it a relevant play. And this is not without precedent, Kevin. You know, I remember a few years back when they were like, yo, the onside, I mean, the extra point is being hit at like 98%. (laughs) We, We need to do something about this. Kickers are getting too good. And so they realized, well, if we move back you know, 5 yards, 10 yards, 15 yards. We want it to be about an 85% proposition. So how far back do we have to move it to make it an 85% proposition? We've tinkered with special teams before, okay? They want, or the NFL had historically, the onside kick as around a 15% proposition with the changes around player safety. It dramatically decreased. And this is an idea that it seems like is gaining steam to bring this back to about a 15%, 20% chance of happening. Mm. But this time you're putting your offense on the field, Kevin, and guess what? Uh, You know, if I asked you to convert a fourth and 15, this is a lot different if you're the Kansas City Chiefs versus if you're the Miami Dolphins versus if you're the Seattle Seahawks, whereas in the kicking game, it might have been more uh, even, Right? Based on your special teams or who Like, there's a big variance, I believe. Like, what's to stop, you know, what's to stop... Call it New Orleans, right? Anytime they're down in a game. I know Sean Payton is down for this. I saw him do it in the Super Bowl, for goodness sakes, right? So what about the fact that you're on... The offense is on the field, and it's no longer a surprise play, Kevin. Mm. You know? Your special teams would be out there, and then your kicker would just, you know kick it in a different way or tee it up in a slightly different way. Now, your offense is on the field. It's obvious to everyone you're going for this quote-unquote onside kick to keep the ball. What do you think about some of these subtle changes that will happen along with this rule,
1: ripple effects? Yeah, that's interesting, right? Like, how many fourth and 15 plays does a team have to where, like, Oh like cuz you're right like they're not going to be able to disguise it right like they're not going to send they're the kicker out there the and then Mahomes. like yeah everyone knows what's going on when yeah, it's, it's going to right, right, right. exactly everybody knows what's going on uh but how many fourth and 15 plays do you have i guess the the other question becomes right so let's just say on average it's a 20% proposition right but if it is for the chiefs a 35% proposition or it's it's 23. you know and then for another team it's actually a 12% proposition because they got a bad offense but, you know, that's on for having a bad offense, right? Like, at the end of the day, like, if you have a better team, then you're better. Like, that's okay. Right. That's okay that a better team is better. Again, like, it's really going to be interesting to figure out how how willing they are to risk it. Because it is pretty much – now, we know kickers. Like, we just talked about the extra point rules. Lord knows if you've bet enough football, you've bet on the bed so I have an extra point. Um, and I had a Patriots first quarter total over six and a half that I laid <laughs> considerable juice on just to watch that damn thing go left after, the, you know, Brady scored on the Redskins. Yeah. I don't even want to – anyway. Um, so, to me, like, we, we know that it's not – but, like, if they're starting a 25-yard line, if you're giving an NFL offensive ball at their own 25, the minimum they're in field goal distance. Like, it would have to be just some absolute, like, peewee-level football to find themselves, like, punting at, as the end result of that possession. To where right. it's going to be interesting to see how – willing they are is it a full desperation thing well that's Could what it? an
0: onside kick is right it only
1: happens at the end of the game when you're still down right but the thing is with the onside kick is like yeah you've got no chance of getting this is like that's like the, the feeling of it but fourth and 15 if the ball like is does it go like if you've played madden before right yeah. like there are sometimes like people with to put the rule in you're not allowed to go for it on fourth and, and anything further than like five because I'm trying to play real football here. Because right. the thing is, in Madden, fourth and 15's super doable.
0: Yeah. Like, if well, you're trying like- to do is they're trying to be led by the data here,
1: Kevin, right?
0: Yeah. They That's why it's fourth and 15 instead of fourth and 20, instead of fourth and eight, instead of fourth and 11. Because what they're trying to do is get the conversion rate, the value proposition of it, back to what it was before. So... You know, maybe in your in the Madden world, it would really be fourth and twenty-three. You know that kind of thing. But they're going by the data, and they've realized or they've established that fourth and fifteen, the conversion rate in the NFL is around what it should be for the old onside kick.
1: Yeah, which is good. But I just don't know if there's enough, if there's any way that they can actually account for all of the variables. Right. Here's because, another. Uh, yeah. Okay. Go ahead.
0: Here's another one. Um, in this policy, apparently, what I've seen, um, you would not be allowed. To try this if you're winning stupid and that's weird because there was no rule about onside kick in fact some of the greatest kind of onside kicks we've seen like are catching the other team off guard right or when it's tied when it's zero the opening kickoff has been an onside kick before i've seen Mm -hmm. to catch someone off guard right so you can only do it while winning and i think also there's a maximum okay uh, of only like two times a game you could even attempt this because let's say you have a Phenomenal offense, right? You could just wind up doing this and play keep away on some level, right? So I think this is really, really interesting. But I do want to ask you, I mentioned backdoor covers, right? Mm. Uh, Are there gambling implications for this? Like, would you be less likely to get a double-digit dog knowing that they have this extra thing in their pocket and you seem to think it's more viable than the old onside kick? Or let's say you're sitting in its early fourth quarter and you're betting the game in-game live. Yeah and then a team all of a sudden gets an eight-point lead, right? Are you less... or or, whatever, uh, you know, a less than a two-score lead. Are you less likely, because of this new rule, to, you know, shove all in in the in-game live markets or in a
1: double-digit spread kind of market? Is this going to give you cause for pause in the betting world? It gives me pause on everything. It's it, It really... like, this, to me, is not a small change. I think that this changes, like... The everything. I think that this can change how you want to play totals, like, I think, even yeah. the, like, the key numbers, kind of, that exist totals of highs and lows. Yeah, like, you yeah. could just see the whole thing raised up. Think it, about it, the it, XFL, Kevin. They yeah. brought in a, right the, begin, the end of the two
0: minutes, right, to try to inspire or allow a team to catch up, mm-hmm. right? The stopping of the clock, favoring the offense, favoring the comeback, right? And we thought huh. that would boost up totals in the same kind of way.
1: Right. And, I mean, obviously, the XFL's quality of play, <laughs> sometimes different. the totals, right, it didn't necessarily play out that way. I just think it's it's really difficult for me to look at a situation now because, you, like, you, you can sit there, right, during in game live, Dane, and ask yeah. whoever you're on with and say, all right, do you think that they should kick a deeper or should they go for the onside kick, right? Like, that's the question that we'd ask. Right. And the thing is, right? Our idea was always, all right, if they kick it deep, they have this much time. Three and a half to minutes defense. to go, the team just yeah. scored to get to within five. Exactly. Okay? And they
0: have two timeouts left remaining. When that right. show goes to commercial break on In Game Live, that is the exact conversation we're having, right? Right. How does that change now, Kev? I
1: don't—like, the thing is, I don't know. Because to me, right. I think the willingness for an onside kick now is so much greater yeah. under this new rule that we're not just asking it at the end of the game desperation mode. It's like, you know, Chiefs are up 14, nothing. Should they go for Should they go for the kill shot here? And then, you know, you'll yeah, have people. They're, they're not allowed to when they're which winning. Is, right, which is, I guess, yeah. You no, know, it's kind of like are
0: seeing though is teams are going for a two point conversion in the second quarter, right? When they yeah. just think they, you know, cause that used to be a 50% proposition around the league average, but right. there were teams who could do that better. So they were like, yeah. maybe it's more cost effective for us to just give it a shot. And maybe there'll be teams that do the same thing you mentioned. Who has got fourth and fifteen plays? Well, maybe some teams will be working on fourth and fifteen plays. Yeah, everyone's going to be working on fourth. <laughs> I think you're right. I think it is going to add variance. It's going to cloud the approach of sports investors. And I think in the backdoor cover concept, mm. I think in the live concept, this is gonna this is gonna have a big impact. I- yeah. I, I, but I would
1: also say, like this could also go the other way, right? Where a team's like, say a team's getting ten, they yeah. are they just scored a touchdown to now make it a seven point lead, right? Yeah. And they don't get it, and then the other team kicks that field goal because but they start I on the twenty five. The, the other team kneels on it. They might not though because we. This is what we've talked about though. Onside kicks aren't only happening when the other team's option only options right, need. Last or, 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 yeah. Like, they might have enough time on the clock to where they have to kick that field goal. Like, I'm mean, That's I hear you. I hear you. Like we, we are talking about a situation that is almost impossible to nail down mm-hmm. because now the willingness to do it drastically increases, in my estimation. No, I agree with you. I think the
0: willingness and appetite to try it... Uh, because even if it the raw data suggests that they are both 18% chances of success, mm-hmm. I feel like I got a shot,
1: you know? <laughs> I feel like I can control it so much right. more than how Gaskowski bounces the ball.
0: What happens also, like, all right, I'm going to throw a 20-yard pass. I might get pass interference on it. <laughs> you know, yes, yes, our team yes. that throw that up purposely, right? They throw it up because two of the three outcomes are good. My guy can come down with it, or I could get some laundry on the field. You know, I think this has the ability to be manipulated in the same way the pass interference replay did, right? When the pass interference replay came out, we didn't expect coaches to throw a challenge to try to generate offensive pass interference. You know, and I, I think we haven't fully thought through all of the details. For example. How might this affect you, Kevin, on a team's quarterback passing yards prop for a game? You know, like, if you're a bad team, okay? You know, I mean, think about it. If you're losing a lot of games, if you yeah. lose 16, if you have 16 games in a year, we did the Jaguars, right? We had them going 2-14, and 14, I believe. Yeah. Out of those 14 losses, how many times do you think they'll be in an environment where they could try this? Yeah. A few how many do you think will get converted? I don't know, some, but that's gonna add to the fantasy value, the garbage time value, the propositions of certain players. So when I think about quarterbacks and passing yards, I think this has something to do there as well. It's
1: it's, it's just added to the concept of garbage time production. Also, for this Jacksonville Jaguars example, right, Uh, if you're the Jaguars and you're down 21 with about seven minutes left, right, and you boom and you go and you score that touchdown and you're now got about five minutes left or so, right? right? 14, most normal case says, ah, we're done here. You have a chance to keep the ball. Right. You have a chance to keep the ball. You're going to now do this. You're to where, it. And if they get it, okay, now they have, like the, we have a world where the Jaguars keep the football for the last 10 minutes of the fourth
0: quarter. Well, if they successfully do something that is an 18% proposition, yeah. multiple times. Let's not forget, this is trying to happen so that it is the same success rate as what the onside kick used to be. So I don't want to describe this as, like, a given, right? It's still right. not going to necessarily happen. I do think there's more variance, though, and I'll trust, like, you know, let me ask you in this way. We talked about teams like the Chiefs, like the Saints, and how their win total at, like, half or 11 is way too much. Mm. But now, remember... In the games where they may lose, unless they're getting blown out, and I don't think those high-end teams are getting blown out a ton, they're going to have this shot, okay? On on the four games you think the Chiefs lose or the five games you think the Saints are going to lose, they're going to have this kind of opportunity to Mm -hmm. get right back in it. So for a team like the Saints or the Chiefs or some of these good offenses, do, do you think They'll do it successfully in some of their losses. Does it change that? I got another place it may change. We're going to talk about this a little bit more. We're digging into changing rules, potentially in the NFL, around special teams. And we'll talk about it some more when we come back. It's the early line right here on SportsMate.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
0: Welcome back into the early line here. I'm Dane. He's Kevin. We are giving you the edge, trying to make meaning, read the tea leaves, and see the impact of a changing rule of special teams here around the onside kick. There's proposals out there to do away with the onside kick because, you know, it got converted like three times all last season. Okay. (laughs) And so the idea of changing it to- 15 offensive play that should return the conversion rate back to what it used to be when, you know, those gunners on the edge could get a head start before the player safety changes. Mm-hmm. And we're like kind of looking at some of the differences here. Kevin, largely, I'm with you, right? I think that part of the value of the onside kick was that it was a surprise play that could happen at any point in yeah. the game. Now, that's not the case when your offense runs back out onto the field. Um, and... You can only do it, apparently, when you're trailing, which is different than the rules before. I also, you know, Kevin, I don't know how you feel about this, but you know how they always say, it's a great coach speak, that there's three phases of the game, right? Offense, defense, and special teams. Well, no, there's not. You know, like, if you're, if you're a special teams purist, right? Does that exist? You eat- I think so. And okay. shouldn't you be then, like, thinking all offseason, knowing that the guys can't run ahead of time, shouldn't you be thinking about all new creative ways to onside kick, whether you get a lot of height on it and get the guys running? Yeah. or Like, I mean- isn't that the, like, does special teams matter
1: anymore yeah. at all? Like, should you really care about hiring your special teams coach? Yeah, no, you should. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, like, the field goal game is still a part of special teams, which is all massive. Right important i would also give punting its due i find it's a little there was a The return game is gone though bro uh, yeah and well the problem is we've come to realize just how damn dangerous it is and the and because there are a lot of times where it's just easier to take your fair kicks like yeah and they've done their best to try and 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 pull back on a lot of it which is understandable but i still think um you know fake punts and what have you like we've seen johnny hecker uh, end up being yeah. a big part of a lot of Rams games and uh, the field goal game is always going to have it's important no nobody is going to sit here and tell you that it's a 33% equal share between right. all parties involved but it's still, it's still a big piece of the game and I guess the one thing I could ask is I, I'm i sure the, the data backs it up but it's just um, you know what they saw with eliminating that play in terms of um, the health benefit for it Right. because like the easiest solution in terms of a like satisfying what they're looking to accomplish here is allowing them to get that running head start. Mm-hmm. But obviously the health risk must clearly not be worth it, which then is understandable. Don't bring it back.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree, and that's why... Remember, we even saw the XFL tinker with this, and we thought it was smart, right? They'd have the kickoff, but remember, it looked weird, right? How the two lines of players would be all the way down by where the ball would land, as opposed to giving that running head start. I think it's a good spirit, the idea of, you know, taking out the most violent play in football. Yeah, I get it. You know, I just wonder if we've accounted for all the ripple effects that may happen. Like, for example, you know, these teams that are down... They're going to have a chance. Now, will they convert it all the time? How much of an actual value add would it be for your fantasy team or for a DFS quarterback or for a season passing yards total? I'm not so sure, yeah. but I do know this, you know, that these teams that are losing will have another opportunity. It's almost like another facet of garbage time. So I wanted to look and oh. see, like, are there any, you know, quarterbacks who can benefit from this in the in the vein of their props? or in a DFS value, or even in fantasy. You know, are there teams out there that are passing teams that are going to suck, that I might get a little <laughs> bit of an extra benefit from because they're going to have this? And I didn't have, I didn't find it. I, I, you know, I was kind of forcing it on some level. But I did stumble upon this. You know, we've been talking about Dak Prescott uh, because of the, you know, the contract and the offer and then Andy Dalton coming in as maybe potentially actually pressure. And I, I got to thinking, like, is there a universe really where the Red Rifle makes starts for uh, the Cowboys this year? And, like, there's got to be, right? Either by injury or by pressure or who knows and how Jerry's manipulating the story. And then I thought it was interesting. You know, we've said this, that this is like the fork in the road for Dak, right? He's going to have all these weapons. He's either going to perform... Or, you know, there's going to be calls for the Texas native Andy Dalton to come on in. Do you know, Kevin, that Dak Prescott has the second highest season-long prop total bet for passing yards in the NFL at 4,319 and a half yards? And also, that means he is the second choice, Kevin, to lead the league in passing yards. We'll put it up on the screen right now. FanDuel has had props about who leads the league in passing. Mahomes is your favorite mm. at five to one. Then Dak at plus 650. Matt Ryan, eight to one. Rivers, Brady, Goff, Stafford, Big Ben, Breeze. Name, familiar names. For me, it was Dak that mm. stood out. One, because of all the drama that's in play, right? Two, because I've been asking you... For weeks now, with the pick of uh, CeeDee Lamb, right? I was wondering, are they going to evolve into a passing team? And if you do, then where does that leave Zekia Elliott? I find it very interesting, Kev, that Dak Prescott is the second choice to lead the league in passing. And Zeke Elliott is like the second or third choice to lead the league in rushing. Guess what? Both of those ain't going to happen. So which one, you know, uh, where do you see an edge? We are here on Sports Mm. Grid after all. Where's the (laughs) edge? I'm putting it all together, and I want to kind of fade Dak and his passing prop. What say you?
1: Well, I'm trying to figure out where exactly Dak finished last year in terms of total passing yards, but the idea of him being able to finish second feels a little bit risky. Once again, I've mentioned a number of times they were the second-best offense by DVOA last year. I understand that they brought in CeeDee Lamb. How much better... They're going to be able to get off of that. I'm unsure of. Now, maybe there is this idea that with bringing in CeeDee Lamb, the defense lost some of its talent. So maybe they're going to have to be, you know, play, playing from behind a little bit more.
0: Jack Pratt Scott was second in the NFL last year in passing 4,900 yards. Okay. So I give it to you. And they were a big time offense. I get it. Mm-hmm. But which way, like, what fork in the road do they take? You know what I mean? Are they going to be a more dynamic passing offense? Ooh, we
1: paid Amari Cooper. Ooh, we got Lamb now, too. Yeah. Or are we going to continue to still feed Zeke? I, I mean, I think Zeke has found out that he's not the most important piece of this offense. But I don't think it matters to him. He got paid. They paid him as such. Right. Which. Exactly. You know, that's Dallas.
0: So, one way or the other, this was not a smart allocation of resources.
1: No, no. I mean, they've made... Listen, <laughs> look, they've, they've made countless mistakes, okay? And the fact so that- So says the Eagles fan, but go ahead. <laughs> look, what, 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 what I got so oh, You're the one who said it wasn't a smart allocation. Oh, you're right. I agree,
0: agree with you. So Zeke Elliott was fourth in the NFL in rushing last year with 1357.
1: Right. And the thing is, like they have a very good offense. And I think both of these guys have a relatively high baseline of what they can accomplish. Um, the thing is, I just can't back Dak at that price because what happened last year- That level of volume is not something that we've necessarily seen, and I think for that offense, I don't feel comfortable assuming that they are going to be that that elite again. I think they've got all the weaponry in the world, and if you're thinking that Dak is going to play from behind, but I almost would feel like maybe I can get Dak at a decent value price. He is priced as the second favorite. Maybe you could say that that's fair, I can't play him at that price. There's a couple of other guys down the board that I'd rather take a shot off. And let's find out who those guys are, Kevin. If it, I agree with you. Dak
0: does not represent the value to me. There's way too many kind of questions out there. I understand he has the uh, proof, that he can throw at that level. But to me, when you put together all the moves in the offseason, the pressure on the contract, and quite frankly, I believe Andy Dalton will play more than zero games for the Cowboys this year. I just do. You know, mm-hmm. the idea of him to get above the second highest prop total, maybe not even in this market, but in the individual, I bet under on Dak just in case Andy Dalton plays. But in this like superlative league leader, You know, where do you see value? Of course, Patty Mahomes is the favorite at only five to one, and okay, that makes sense, but that's not the value. Where Mm -hmm. do you see the value? I'll give you
1: one, but you give me one first. It's not, I mean, it's not also, but like, I understand why it's Mahomes, but he hasn't led the league in passing just yet. And like, they're, they're, if they're going to be up as much as people think, like, I don't like the Mahomes bet very much. The first one I'll give you is Matt Stafford, whose name Mm, you did mention. I, I think that Stafford last year, what he did is. Very, very underrated. In eight games last year, he was on pace for a 5,000-yard season. On a per-game basis, was only second behind Jameis Winston, who ended up leading the league in yards last year. We believe that that team has some offensive talent but should defensively not be incredible to where they can be playing from behind. I think Stafford's absolutely worth the shot to lead the league in passing. 12-1, to um, to me, is also a pretty solid price for that.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Um, I got to tell you, and I know you're going to love this, Carson Wentz intrigues me. Uh, Carson Wentz intrigues me. He's at 19-1, to right? And we talk about that offense. And, you know, for me, when I'm looking at some of these guys, I also want to see a team where the running back does something in the passing game. Right. Where where if that run that lead running back is also a viable pass catching weapon, because then I know some chunk of that production is gonna still be the passing game. When we utilize the running back, it will still add to the passing yard total of these guys. So I think about Wentz, I think about a Drew Brees with Kamara out of the backfield. You know, I think about teams that have good pass catching backs that you know, Christian McCaffrey will take a five yard bubble screen and go eighty. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think you need that element on some level to uh, come in on this passing yards prop.
1: Yeah, uh, I like it. I think that Who Wentz has, like? has has that ability. I think Deshaun Watson, though, is another person that I would take a look at. He's a little bit further down the board. We've 22. talked about Watson and, and his potential to maybe uh, win the MVP. There's two things that are working in his favor, uh, and maybe a third if I'm going to pull from your idea that uh, having a pass-catching running yeah. back as well, uh, he does fit that mold. One, and again, this is something that I will target when it comes to yards leader, is is a is a bad defense, and I believe that that's right. what the Texans have, especially in terms that's of the their secondary. the
0: five thousand yards, right? His defense. Exactly. Yep. Absolutely. They were just I like always. I,
1: they were always I like a crazy that. spot those bucks. The other thing that he has going for him is we've talked about this wide receiver core. It's a very weird wide receiver core. It's the you know the you know four, words, four 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 verts group pretty much. Right. All that. All these guys have averaged over fifteen yards per catch in their career. And that's a preposterous number. Like, all of these guys have that potential to, you know, have 20-plus yard catches. This And if they just commit to that and they focus on that, and then all of a sudden Watson has the chance to lead the league in yards per attempt, and I think he could be one of the guys who throws the most attempts in the league, you look right. at where he's priced. I love Deshaun Watson, and I, I, I'd love to see if they – you know, give us more exact props because winning is obviously very difficult sure. but I, I feel that you know, he's going to get himself top 10, top 5 and he's not priced as such um, on a lot of these books. Yeah, fair enough. But listen,
0: you know, there's a lot of ways to skin the cat, right? So maybe you like the over on Deshaun Watson, his individual prop, in the same way that I'm fading Dak Prescott and his yeah. individual prop. We find it very interesting trying to find you value here on the early line. That'll do it for hour number one. When we come back, we stay in the football realm. A lot of news and notes, signings, buzz from over the weekend. We'll catch you up on all that. And remember, our team-by-team previews continue. Maybe another guy who could lead the league in passing. Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints are on deck. That's in hour number two of the early line. We'll be giving you the edge right here on SportsGrid. Come on back for hour number two.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.